Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Before going into the program, let me just say this. I apologize for the comparative infrequency of the programs during the past several months. I've been much distracted. That's no excuse. But unlike the uh, recently passed Rush Limbaugh, uh, who received $30 million a year for many years, and then it increased to $40 million and so forth, and then various other hosts like that. I've never received $3 or $4 a year, so it is a little bit different perspective. But I just wanted to say that the program I have always avoided, carefully avoided, (laughs) mentioning any scriptures. I might have used one here or one there, but that's all. But really, I feel the need to make a change with regard to that. But unlike my other Bible programs that are all scriptures, I'm going to have to make a change with regard to that in order to provide the contexts for conclusions and what have you that I reach. So I'm going to be making that change here in the immediate future, not today. And as I've mentioned before, I am going to get to the current president's inaugural address, not today. So Where are we in the United States of America and the Western world, the free world? Where are we (laughs) in history? Where are we at this point in time? What is the state of affairs, the true state of affairs, not only in the United States of America, but in Canada, in Mexico, Central America, Latin America, Great Britain, UK, Ireland, Europe, all of Europe, Northern Europe, Southern Europe, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, and around the globe. What is really the state of affairs? Well, (laughs) they state that a picture is worth a thousand words. So here's my picture. You see water circling a drain. (laughs) This powerful (laughs) pull for the water to be pulled down the drain. Civilization being swept down in a race to the bottom. That is the current state of affairs. Oh, no. Oh, no, Brad. What are you talking about? Things could never be better except, of course, for this (laughs) COVID-19. Really? Well, no. Civilization is being swept down, pulled down. It's not just circling a drain. It's not just a function of gravity and suction there. It's a matter of it being forcibly drained. 
And so what's going to come in its place, I wonder? Well, before we get there, perhaps you are aware of this. Perhaps you will disagree with it. But according to those in the industries, in the entertainment industries, whether that happens to be media, such as movie industry or TV and TV movies and streaming services that have television, programming, and have their own original created streaming programs, which are serial movies, essentially. Or whether it happens to be in publishing, in traditional publishing, the major publishers, <laughs> and it seems like every year there are fewer of them, but that, that is not exactly the case, but in the vicinity of the case, this consolidation, so-called, that we've seen in so many fields, again, in entertainment, in television, in radio broadcasting, in publishing, traditional publishing, not referring to self-publishing, traditional publishing, the newspaper industry, news magazines, and so forth, just tremendous consolidation, and of course, in banking and what have you. But supposedly, what is determinant with regard to what movies are made out of all of the screenplays that are submitted for consideration. There's only a tiny number that are actually purchased or opted, options put on them to ostensibly make movies from them, and then only a fraction of those that are purchased or optioned are produced as movies. But supposedly, what is determinate is whether there is sufficient commercial potential. Whether there is sufficient commercial value. Whether there is sufficient profitability. That is all important. Nothing else really matters. That is all that matters, supposedly. In the movie industry, of course, it is not all that matters. <laughs> and I'll come back to that. But in traditional publishing, what supposedly is most important, has been most important, and continues to be most important, is whether there is perceived commercial value sufficient to undertake the publishing of this book, this work, this novel, this nonfiction project, and so forth, whether there is sufficient commercial value that they can see, whether there is potential for profitability, that is first and foremost not exclusive in traditional publishing. There are other factors, namely, do the literary agents 
for authors who have not gained representation yet, do the literary agents fall in love with their work? Do they love what this author or that author, this would-be author, that would-be author have created? Those are supposedly the criteria. Now, there is a new criteria, supposedly, and that is whether the would-be author is one of an underrepresented minority. Whether they are so-called BIPOC, (laughs) or whether whether they are sodomite, or these things, because after all, those are terrible oppressed minorities, terribly unrepresented, supposedly. And the same is true in the movie industry. And you find this repeated over and over and over by literary agency after literary agency and literary agents within the agencies and agents and agencies in major media and the movie production companies. It's an echo chamber. Oh, they are so desirous of finding these great new talents in marginalized, underrepresented minorities, oppressed, you know, minorities. Even though Hollywood for decades has in fact reflected extreme, disproportionate, inordinate overrepresentation of sodomites and their sodomite agendas. But, and among literary agencies and literary agents, there is an overwhelming leftist bent and bias. And there always has been for decades and decades as there has been, as there was in mainstream journalism and what is left of mainstream journalism, extreme hard left bias, prejudice, bigotry, hard left. But, oh no, but so what other criteria actually apply besides profitability in the case of books besides perceived profit potential to make it worth their while amongst all of these potential projects all of these potential authors and potential novels and nonfiction works besides perceived profitability in the view of this group of people that have an overwhelming left slant, (laughs) bias, prejudice, whether they fall in love with it. But there is something else, and it is whether these works further the extreme hard left agenda. 
no pun intended, but that trumps everything else. That is true in the movie industry. And when I, the movie industry, again, encompasses all of these behemoth streaming services, such as Netflix, which is now joined by, of course, Apple, Google, YouTube, Amazon, Disney, Hulu, and whatever all else is out there. Okay, NBC's Peacock and what have you. But all of those that are involved in creating original programming. But their criteria, again, is supposedly totally fixated on perceived profitability and whether it is a great work of art. That's the only thing that can trump the profitability quotient is if it is perceived as being a great, astonishing work of art. Then, okay, they'll make an exception. It doesn't have to be so profitable. But the dirty little secret is that if it is a vehicle for supporting, promoting, championing, extreme left ideology, it trumps everything else. Oh, Brad, that is just your opinion. Fine. (laughs) Fine. Imagine that if you will. But it happens to be true. Yes, the dear entertainment industry, the media, publishing, It has been very powerfully used for so long. I'm just going to very quickly just do a little survey, if you will, of, again, some principles, some exceedingly unprincipled principles that pertain directly to this, that bear directly upon this. And going back again (laughs) to the, I don't know that it's fair to say the earliest, but the earliest of these that I'm going to share. Yes, I've mentioned these before, but they bear mentioning. 1773, Meyer Amschel Bauer, who changed his last name to Rothschild, Red Shield, he had his 14-point plan for world domination or hegemony. And among his 14 points, paid propagandists will arouse feelings of hatred and revenge against the ruling classes to supplant those ruling classes with an evil ruling class. That last part is mine, okay? But they shall arouse paid propagandists. Imagine, will arouse feelings of hatred and revenge against the ruling classes. Well, guess what? This was rampant during this last presidential and general election by 
the left by the Democrat Party. But the first principle to remember, number two, the first principle to remember is that law is force in disguise. It's not righteousness. It's not justice. It's not judgment. It's not equity or equitableness. It is force in disguise, which (laughs) brings me to something not here, not in these points, that politics is war by other means. Number three, political freedom is an idea, not a fact. So we will preach liberalism. So the electorate will yield power into our hands. Number four. That whether the established governments are destroyed by external or internal foes doesn't matter as long as they're destroyed. So they will be attacked from without and from within. But as the case was with the Roman Empire and other major empires, what is always vitally important is that the empire be weakened from within, seriously compromised from within before the ultimate attacks from without. Number five, the use of any and all means to reach our final goal is justified. Any and all means are on the table. Everything is justified. Morality demonstrates weakness. Number six, our right lies in force. (laughs) Might makes right, huh? Our right lies in force. The right means to attack by the right of the strong. Darwinian evolution. Survival of the fittest. Darwin and Nietzsche and the rest of them. And Karl Marx. Number seven, the power of our resources must remain invisible until the very moment when our movement has gained such strength that no cunning or force can undermine it. We have very clearly nearly reached that point because of the brazenness of what is taking place now. Alcoholic liquors, drugs, moral corruption, and vice will be used to corrupt the youth of all nations. That's number eight. Number nine, after gaining sufficient power, Mr. President, we have the right to seize property by any means without hesitation. Number 10, our slogan issued to the masses, the great unwashed masses, will be liberty, equality, and fraternity. Yes. 
Well, you know, a more contemporary wording might be freedom, diversity, and equal rights. Number 11, wars will be directed so that nations engaged on both sides will be further in debt to our enterprise. They will be directed. Wars will be directed but not by those nations per se, but by powers without. Interestingly enough, there will be controllers, (laughs) world controllers, that will direct wars between nations to impoverish them and enslave them. Enslave winner and loser, right? The victorious and the vanquished. Number 12, that was number 11. Number 12, candidates for public office will be servile and obedient to our commands. So they might readily be used. Candidates for public office will be puppets of others who are not the face, not the poster boys, poster girls of what's going on, but who are behind the scenes, again. Number 13, the combined wealth of the organization. Again, of this organization, of these behind the scenes, their combined wealth will control all outlets of public information. Impossible. What about the Internet? What about the plethora of self-publishers? What about all of these independent voices? What about all of the independent journalistic ventures going on? Impossible to control all of that. Well, really. (laughs) Now, the left has had a stranglehold forever in a day on the major media elites and on the major publishers, publishing houses, and on the major movie production companies, the major network news programs, news outlets, Not just their national news, but the local. I mean, they've had a stranglehold for decades and decades and decades and decades and decades and decades. But now, of course, that needs to also include the major internet portals, the mega behemoth. Internet powers. In order to control public information. Number 14, contrived and controlled panics and financial depressions will ultimately result in world government. 
a new order of one world government. Contrived, engineered, orchestrated, ginned up, controlled, panics. Panics and financial depressions that will require extremely aggressive, tyrannical, totalitarian, utterly unconstitutional government intervention and invasions of rights, resulting ultimately in world government, a one-world government. That's the objective. That's the goal. It's not to make everything wonderful for everyone. It's to enslave the world. Now, before I continue, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, unworthy, that is on me. That is due to me. That is my fault. Back to... Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto, 1846. So, zooming forward from Meyer Amschel, Bauer, Rothschild's 14-point plan for world domination of 1773. Three years before, you know, Independence Day in America. Meyer, Amschel, Bauer, Rothschild in Germany, in Europe. And now, fast forward all the way to 1846. Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto. Number one, these are the key priorities of his, <laughs> his profound, brilliant thinking. Number one, Abolition of private property. Abolition. Oh, brother, abolition is so good. You know, it's freeing the slaves. Here, this abolition is enslaving the masses by eliminating private property, by seizing private property by prohibiting private property, by making it illegal to have private property. Well, I'm sure he meant well, (laughs) right? Heavy progressive income tax is number two. Heavy progressive income tax. First, strip all of the people of private property. Then tax them to death. But what do they mean by property? Doesn't that include money? Well, it really is pertaining to land, homes, farms, ranches, 
assets, small businesses, large businesses, medium businesses. But number two, heavy progressive income tax to further impoverish all of the people. Number three, abolition of rights of inheritance. There's that great term again, abolition. Oh, we're freeing the people. We're freeing the people from their private property, from the shackles of private property, of home ownership, of land ownership. We're freeing the people from rights of inheritance, eliminating inheritance, eliminating private property, wealth, via death tax, inheritance tax, abolition of rights of inheritance, elimination of inheritance, elimination of legacies of parents to children, of grandparents to grandchildren. Number four, confiscation of property of rebels. Isn't that (laughs) what we already had with abolition of private property? You notice, I mean, it just keeps attacking. Abolition of private property. Abolition of rights of inheritance. Confiscation of property of so-called rebels. Interesting, here in the United States of America, of course, The Black Lives Matter mobs would not be considered rebels. No. Instead, they would be the people that William Jefferson Clinton and Hillary Rodham Clinton spent eight years demonizing. Christians. People that read the Bible and believe the Bible and pray. Oh, but Hillary, she was a Christian, a Methodist. But for people that read the Bible, believe the Bible, and pray regularly, they were fanatics, according to her. But rebels, stripped of all property, of every kind. Number five, central bank, institution of a central bank. For what purpose? To confiscate private property. Number six, government ownership of communication and transportation. How like Rothschild, right? We're going to control, we're going to own all means of communication. And transportation. That's what this wonderful regime is going to do. Number seven, government ownership of factories and agriculture. Again, private property. How redundant. It just is, again, attack, 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 private property. Number eight, government control of labor. Government control of people. Command and control. You know that mantra of the U.S. military. Command and control. Government control of labor. 
not just labor unions, but all working people. Number nine, corporate farms. You know, again, going back to number seven, government ownership of factories and agriculture. And now number nine, corporate farms. Massive government-owned farms. That's what's meant by corporate because they have seized the corporate (laughs) agriculture businesses and factories. Now, corporate farms, regional planning, again, attacking private property. And number 10, government control of education in order to propagandize, indoctrinate, and enslave the masses of young people, of children. Karl Marx's plan here, his communist manifesto, it is so ridiculously redundant. It is very, very, very limited. It comes down to seizing all private property of every kind, of every definition. And waging war against so-called rebels. The rebels aren't the evil ones running the regime and waging a war against the good. No, it's the good people are the rebels. Brilliant. Karl Marx, just so brilliant. And you find that with every communist regime there has been. But guess what? Karl Marx's communist manifesto, it also pertains, of course, to fascism, socialism, is not just communism, but fascism. Oh, but brother, fascism's on the right. No, it's not. It is also of the left. But moving forward from 1846, fast forwarding to 1919. Wait a minute, that was more than 100 years ago. What does that have to do with the price of eggs? What does that have to do with today, with this wonderful new world that we have now? Well, actually, quite a lot. The communist rules for revolution. Again, it's amazing the similarity to Meyer Amschel Bauer Rothschild's 14-point plan. But this is 1919, the red rules. Number one, corrupt the young. Get them away from religion. Get them interested in sex, meaning sexual sin, sexual corruption. Number two, break down the old moral virtues. (laughs) Number one again, right? Except now this is not pertaining just to the young, but to all. Corrupt them. Corrupt the virtues. Eliminate the social mores. Break down the old moral virtues. We see this every single solitary day in network TV, now in Hallmark Channel, Crown Media, Family Network, even 
from the major streaming services, from, of course, the major movie production companies, continual bombardment by advertising. The advertising that just keeps promoting these things. Encourage civil disorders is number three. Encourage civil disorders. Encourage. Oh, brother, you know, I just want to encourage you. Give you a pat on the back and encourage you. Keep doing that good work. No. Cause. Foment. Whip up. Civil disorders. Create civil disorders. Cause civil disorders. Engineer them. And soft government attitude toward crime. Oh, brother, we're not going to punish those people. Death penalty, eliminate that. Long prison sentences, eliminate those, and so forth. Let's throw in Black Lives Matter. If you're black, then we'll cut you a special deal. If you are an undocumented person, illegal alien, we have new rules for you. We give you special VIP status. Number four, divide the people into hostile groups. According to race, religion, so forth. Saturation propaganda ads, you know, from the ad council, from centers for disease control, shaming rebellious Americans who do not comply with government-mandated behaviors unless they're black. <laughs> you know, unless, unless they are rebels, we're going to shame Americans for doing these things. But divide the people into hostile groups. The Democrat Party has always, not just courtesy of the likes of Saul Alinsky and uh, his followers, (laughs) the likes of Hillary Rodham Clinton and Barack Hussein Barry Obama, but of the Democrat Party has always played the race card heavily. Played the sex card heavily. Played race politics and sexual politics heavily. Has always focused on these various special interest groups. Divide the people into hostile groups. Number five, get the people's minds off of their government. Focus their attention on, you know, really important things like athletics, entertainment, 
in addition to athletics, which is entertainment. Sexual sin, sexual corruption. Number six, get control of all media. Huh, that sounds familiar too. Yes. Get control of all media, all means of communication so that they can indoctrinate and propagandize the great unwashing masses of we the people. Number seven, destroy people's faith in their leaders, meaning in their leaders that are not part of this evil. And number eight, cause the registration of all firearms, as Adolf Hitler did. This to eventually, in the near future, eventually confiscate all firearms. As was done in enlightened Britain, Australia, and so forth. The enlightened nations. Yes, great similarity. But this one was an unspoken one in the previous. This matter of registration of all firearms. Universal registration of all firearms in order to confiscate them. To disarm the citizenry and make them helpless and unable to rebel against the regime. To protect themselves from the regime. Unable. But these times that we're in right now, you know <laughs> I know, supposedly, the Bible, the Holy Bible, the Word of God, it supposedly doesn't have any bearing on these enlightened, sophisticated, modern, contemporary times in which we live or exist. And it may not speak to each and every little nuance And trifle comparatively. (laughs) But the broad strokes, these major matters, the Word of God speaks to directly. The times in which we live, the state of the nation of the United States of America, the state of the free nations, the free world, the state of the world, the state of people in this world. The times in which we exist and the times that are coming, the Bible speaks directly to. And I will start seasoning my programs with some quotations from the Bible. 
But what is coming? What is coming? So much has been accomplished. So very much evil has been accomplished. The agenda put forth by Meyer Amschel Bauer Rothschild. The agenda put forth by Karl Marx, which, of course, hit a roadblock. <laughs> you know, back, back a ways. Eighty-eight, eighty-nine, and so forth. It just, you know, hit a speed bump. Oh, and supposedly that is gone. And of course, bloody red communist China is most favored nation, capitalist China, right? <laughs> really? No. But so much of this agenda has been accomplished. So much of the red rule the communist rules of 1919, of all of these, it really is a consistent agenda, all focused on one objective, and that is enslavement of the world, of the entire world. Now, the fall of the Roman Empire, which was not a worldwide empire. But the fall of the Roman Empire resulted from a number of things. Decay from within. An attack from without. And what hastened the decay from within was dilution by massive Immigration, you could say. It's one way to put it. Expansion of the empire and inclusion of those peoples, which resulted in dilution of the regime's power, of the regime's control. The Roman Empire was not some great, godly, wonderful body. No. But it is a cautionary tale. But you know what? When the Roman Empire supposedly fell, it was the Western Roman Empire, okay? Not the entire Roman Empire. The Eastern Roman Empire lasted for, what, another millennia? (laughs) But it created a vacuum, which, of course, was filled (laughs) readily, but not by one supreme power, but by warring powers, warring factions. It's not going to be that way this time around. This time around, in these last times, well, brother, sister, whoever you are, Brad, what do you mean the last times? I mean, (laughs) chicken little, right? The sky is falling. No. The ones that are saying the sky is falling are those of the left. 
global climate change. Oh, no. It's going to destroy us in no time. Global climate change, global warming, greenhouse gases will be the end of mankind, womankind, humankind, and non-mankind, non-womankind, kind. (laughs) No. No, they insist that The end is near, but it will be from asteroids striking the earth. From global warming. From mankind destroying the earth. From overpopulation. From, you know, on and on. But they are the chicken littles. But according to the Bible, (laughs) we are in the last times now. Oh, that's just your opinion. Well, it happens to be true. It happens to be right. And what's coming is a one world, whole world. Worldwide, world encompassing regime. That's right. Oh, well, we have the sole world superpower in the United States of America. Dream on. Russia, the Russian Federation, the totalitarian regime. In Russia. And the communist totalitarian regime in communist China. They have, mainland China, they have, each of them has more nuclear weapons than the United States of America. Thank you very much, former President Barack Hussein Barry Obama. And we are, of course, currently in term number three of former President Barack Hussein Barry Obama. Russia and China may well, may well flex their muscles. They may well attack, as I've mentioned before. But that is not going to result in worldwide regime. What is coming, ultimately, is the rise of ten, ten kings or leaders who shall rise to power on this center stage simultaneously. Like a graduating class, they shall come in. They shall have kingdoms, nations, and they shall submit them to the control of a king, a leader, who shall rise virtually immediately after them. This one shall come in peaceably, take control peacefully, using flattery and craft and charm offensive. 
and they together shall seize worldwide power, take over, and usher in the most terrible time in human history. The good news is it shall be brief. And a righteous deliverer shall come. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Thank you.